Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'm your host, Bernadette Walsh, and I'm so pleased to introduce my guest today, Ruth Casey. Ruth is a USA Today bestselling author of historical and contemporary romance. Her titles include Heart of the Matter and The Guardian's Witch. So welcome, Ruth, to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. How are you? I'm fine, Bernadette, and thank you so much for inviting me today. Oh, well, I'm so glad you could make it. Now, maybe you could tell our readers a little bit, I mean our readers, our, our listeners a little bit about your writing journey. That's a very good question, and thank you so much. Uh, my writing journey is a little bit different than some others. Um, I started out um, writing about 10 years ago, actually 2009. Uh, I wrote a, a story with a friend. She was uh, interested in becoming a writer. And I thought I would help her as a beta reader. And we started writing, and then my ideas and her ideas kind of didn't uh, didn't, uh, go along the same line. And she decided that she had some other pressing personal issues. She was uh, actually training for the New York Marathon at the time. So she stepped away from writing, and then I kind of ran with my ideas. And then six months later, I had a 90,000-word book, and a year after that, uh, it was uh, published by Karina Press and taken on by Harlequin in their direct-to-consumer product line. So that's how I started. I was still working uh, at a major New York bank. I was an executive there. And it became um, a really wonderful outlet. Um, as a marketing person within the, the bank, you can't get too creative with your, with your, with your marketing. Uh, they call that fraud. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So I found that this creative outlet was absolutely mind-blowing. And when I decided to retire, I didn't retire from the bank. I retired to writing and, and did it full-time. And when did, you, when did you start writing full-time then? What year? So it was 2011. 2011. Okay, so you've been at this for quite some time. So how many books have you written to date? So I have 20 books that I've written. I have... Um, Two, uh, I have two historical uh, series. I have one contemporary series, and I also write um, for Catherine Levique and her Dragon Blade Press. So, so it's, it's been a very interesting. It's been a very interesting thing because the first book I wrote was really um, it was inspired by Outlander, and it was my version of a time travel, and I truly, truly. Love the characters. They're, they're, the, they're, the, they're my heart and soul. But I, I started writing uh, this um, historic uh, series as well as a uh, back, back into the medieval times. And then um, about five years ago, I had this really great cover that Karina Press gave me for, the, for, the, for that first book in a, in a second series. And I felt a little guilty about... Um, showing them this really great cover, these my critique friends. I said, I was the only one that was published at the time. 
So in a fit of um, mothering, I decided that we would all be published. And we put together a writing group. We call ourselves Timeless Scribes. And we started to write together. We each wrote a different story with a, with a central theme. And um, we, they, I was the only historical writer. So we decided to write contemporary. That's how I got into my contemporary series. So we still kind of write together. We have a central theme that goes through each story. Our last book was published in February, and the theme was like love letters. So each of us have an individual book, and it's all about love letters. So it's been a, a, um, it's been a wonderful experience. I truly love writing the contemporary pieces. I kind of stick my family into things. The reason why we picked love letters um, I had found um, my mother's Bible, and in it was a letter my, my mother had passed on about eight years ago. And I found this letter, and it was a love letter. But my, my dad was a doctor. He had a very unique doctor's handwriting. This was not my father's handwriting. <laughs> so that was the inspiration for love letters. So it, it, it was a, it's just been a, a wonderful, wonderful experience. Well, I think your your writing journey really connects with me because, you know, I also work for a financial institution in Manhattan and as I'm as a lawyer. So the same thing, <clears throat> I do a lot of writing, but it's not particularly creative. I can't certainly talk about, uh, you know, people's love experience. <laughs> no, no heaving, no heaving breasts and throbbing <laughs> members. Yes, I understand. No, no, not at all. So it was, and I started writing around the, around the same time, around 2009. I had, my daughter at that point was, uh, four years old. So I had a young child. I was commuting. I was working in this, you know, very stressful, um, rigid in a lot of ways environment. And I, something had to give. And so that's why I started writing. Again, it's been a great journey. I've kind of hopped around. Um, I, I think there's been an evolution kind of similar to your story. I started writing. My first book was what I was most familiar with, what I like to read, which was uh, like a chiclet contemporary romance. And, you know, it was, like I said, a great experience. But then I kind of moved into more of a serious realm. And it's funny, my second book was very much inspired by an old letter that somebody had shared at a family reunion. And it was from my great grandmother to one of her daughters when her daughter's husband had died. So this was in the 1930s, I'd say. And oh, wow. it was just such a, it was a short, it was a short little you know, because people didn't write a lot then. There was a short little note, and it, but it was so powerful, and it just really inspired me. And so it was the inspiration for one of my characters, Kitty, in my book, The Girls on Rose Hill. And really, it's about a family, uh, and it's the ramifications of what happened to Kitty after her husband died. And so, and I actually took an excerpt from that letter, which is really, really cool, because I, I don't even know where the letter is now. I got somebody to email it to me, so I never even had, like, the physical letter, but her, her, her words kind of, you know, live on in a way in my, in my book, so, you know, so that's why, as you were telling me your writing journey, like so many writers I have on my show, there's, there's, there's always something you can, a lot of times you can connect with the reason, because the reason why people start to write is, is varied, but in a lot of ways, it's, it's, it's singular in the sense that it's the, that hunger to explore that side of yourself that's not being fulfilled in other parts of your life. So, yeah, so that's right. So thanks and for it's, sharing and it's, that. It's, for, for me, uh, for, on the contemporary side, it, it's a, it's, it's honoring my family to a certain extent because I, I didn't realize it until 
um, re recently because we've done about six stories uh, already. And so I have my 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 brother and um, his wife. They got married. It was a wonderful wedding. And then uh, you know I keep in touch with him. And ten it's ten years later, and he calls me and he says. Um, you want to come to a wedding? I thought his son was getting married. I said, oh, Michael's getting married. And he said, uh, no, Eloise and I are getting married. I went, you did that 10 years ago. And he said, well, someone forgot to register the wedding, to register the marriage license. And we're doing it again. And I said, oh, my God. I said, good story. So that was <laughs> yeah, another that a great story. And then there, there, uh, at that very first book that I wrote, the one that was um, inspired by Outlander, I, I was a very, very new author. And, of course, you look at the reviews. And I got this scathing review that actually brought me to tears. And then when I reread it, I guess my husband read it, and he said, this isn't about the book. This, this person makes one sentence about the book. The rest is about you. Who, who do you think it is? And I, I was floored. I was floored. So here it is all these years later, and one of the very first contemporary books that I did was a story about an author that falls off the, the, the New York Times best list and the USA Today best list, you know, bestsellers list, and it mm -hmm. opens up with a bad review. So guess what I took? I took, all, I took sentences from that very first re bad review that I got, and I immortalized it in my book. <laughs> Good so for it, you. Yeah, so it was, it, was my, it was my payback, I guess. But I, 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 that's what I love about writing. I can play with it. And then I can get into those deep things that really um, move me. Um, most of my stories will center around um, trust and companionship. The, the hero and heroine can never do it alone. They almost, they always have to be, they always have to work together for the solution. And even when I write my medievals and where I have the the final fight scene, the two of them have to fight together, for with each other, to 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 bring the the to resolve the you know the story, because I think that's an important part of my life, is the is is uh, trust. And um, and companionship. Well, that's great. That's that that's really those are great themes to explore in any in any genre. And it sounds like you have hopped around genres a little bit. So it's in terms of it also almost seems like your your historical has a paranormal element to it. I know one of your books that I mentioned was The Guardian's Witch. So maybe you could talk about how you got into the paranormal elements or how how big they are how how big a theme they are in your writing. Okay, um, I think there's a part of me that um, wishes there could be magic. I think there's <laughs> a part all? of me, yeah. So, um, in the Guardian's Witch is a really, it, so when I wrote my my first stories, they were about a druid knight. I guess a little bit of magic there. I mean, it's time travel, so of course there's magic. But when um, Karina Press asked for another book. I, I didn't know what to do. They asked for another series. So I, I didn't know what to do. And um, years, well, when, when my mother was, uh, my mother and father were relocating. They, we lived in Brooklyn, and my parents were relocating to 
um, Atlanta. My, my brother lives down there. And uh, my mother gave me this envelope. And, in the, and on the envelope was written, Ruth's Veil. And I went, what are you, what's this? And, she's, and, and she got very quiet. And she's not, she was a very modern woman. And she said, well, when you were born, you were born with a veil over your face. And the, the nurse gave me, gave it to me in a, in, you know, in a gauze and everything and told me never to lose it and that it should, that you should have it. So this is now years, years later. And when I'm thinking about this book, I'm thinking about, well, what, what am I going to write about? And I was cleaning out the drawer and found that envelope. So I decided, totally forgot about the book and started to research what this veil was and it's actually called a call bearer, who is supposed right, to have, who's uh, the person supposed to have second sight. So that is the story. That's how the guardian's witch came about. She's a call bearer who has second sight. And it's well, actually I think the all, story. Yeah, I actually, before you get into the story, I actually think, and, and maybe this is the woo-woo part of me, because I'm always also attracted to, you know, the, the spiritual and I think to be a writer, you have to have a little bit of second sight, right? You have to be able to remove yourself to enter into a story. So that may not be so, you know, it may be a little true when it comes to you. Well, I think, think? it's part of the creative process. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think creativity, uh, to, think, to think outside the box. I have found more and more that people are confined by the box. And, and those people who can think outside the box the creative mind has, to me, has an advantage. And I think you, you, you allow yourself to be, to think, to think of the impossible. To come up with and stories show, that... Yeah, and to no, show okay. yourself. You know what I mean? Like, and to show yourself, and which I think is very hard to do. Again, put, putting you back to in 2011 when you left the bank. You have to, in some ways, wear a mask to a lot of corporate and other types of jobs every day. But in your writing, you really, I think to be a successful writer, you have to be able to expose yourself, not write about yourself all the time, but expose what makes you tick. And not everyone is comfortable doing that. So yeah, I agree. I think it's very much magical. It's, it's, it's a different realm in a sense. And so it, I, I, I think, well, I, I think your mother's right. I think it's good that you kept that. Um, and I don't know, have you had any, psychic or other, you know, evidence of the second sight? So Are you intuitive? It's really, really funny. Um, I, had, um, I, had, I had posted my pitch online for Karina Press. And um, they had in the pitch, you know, they, they, sent, they sent me back a message and asked for more information about the story. And I did that. And um, I'm sitting downstairs, kitchen table, and I'm, um, I don't remember what I was eating. I think it was probably lunch. And I said to myself, they're going to call. And I said, oh, that's just wishful thinking, Ruth. So I went upstairs because I have a little office upstairs. And I went upstairs and the phone rang. And I, I, I didn't look at the, at the caller ID. I picked up the phone, and I knew who the voice would be. It was Angela James offering me a contract. So it was very, um, 
it, 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 I can't explain how I knew. It was just, it was, it was a truth. It's like, what is your name? I know my name. I picked up the phone. I knew it was Angela James because I made her repeat her name three times because I was so shocked. <laughs> but you weren't really. <laughs> you kind of knew. I, well, I, it was it was the reality of oh my god I I really I you know how how did that happen? And then my mm-hmm. then then it, then it was I got the call. You know oh my god I got the call. So uh, it was it was quite. It was it was it was quite rewar- rewarding and exciting at the same time. Well, and what's even more exciting about your story is that it was your fir- first book that got picked yes. up. I mean, some people write ten books before they get anywhere well, the, or twenty, you know. Right, and and I w- I think that's what surprised me as well. Um, I had gotten involved with um, the New Jersey chapter of Romance Writers of America because now I had this book. I didn't know what to do with it. I because I, you know, I, I wrote it in, in a vacuum, so to speak, without other writers around me. So mm-hmm. I did some research online. I found Romance Writers of America. I called their Texas office. They uh, told me about the New Jersey and the New York City chapters. So I, I went to both to see which one I liked. And the Jersey chapter was more to, was easier for me to get to. And um, they're the ones that helped me learn what to do next. Know nothing, you know, author fledgling author I said okay so I give this to a, an editor or an agent and they make it happen and they're like no 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 honey <laughs> it doesn't really work that way so then I learned craft and then I went back and 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 read not redid but edited the story and that's when I was ready to bring it to Karina Press so it was a it was a wonderful wonderful learning experience yeah no I think I think RWA does a great service for for getting people in the door. And, you know, it's it's a very – it's flawed. It's had a lot of issues, obviously, after the last few years. But I right. think at its core that I hope can be maintained in whatever iteration it, it survives in, you know, it's a place where all authors are welcome, regardless of where they are on the ladder. And it allows you to climb up that ladder. And how far you go up that ladder is obviously up to you and up to the states and up to, you know, all kinds of things. But at least right. it gives you the tools and it gives you a what, supportive what, place. What I liked about, what I like and continue to like about RWA is uh, the camaraderie. I can, you and I can get the same prompt for a story and two, sto- two totally different stories will come out of it. So there's no real challenge or, or competition between the two of us. Both stories are viable and good is a reality that you don't necessarily find in corporate America. You you find more of a, a competitive, um, non-cooperative, at least in the area in which I worked um, at the bank. So well, this was a to, people pretend to be cooperative. Yes, <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> I well, mean, yeah, because no, some people right, right, because because it's, it's, it's a, a three-year plan. And it's only a three-year plan because that's the, that's as long as they plan to be in their their job. They don't care about the next three years. They only care about the three years that they're going to be there, and how it affects them. And I understand that. I understand the you know the the, um, the fight that goes on to survive, and and to uh, provide for your family and and all that. I too had to provide for my family, so I, I totally understand that. But this creative world was such. A, uh, a joy 
It was such a joy. And because I could pour my heart out, and if I didn't like what was on the page, I could just tear it up and do it again. So to me, it was it was a better outlet. It was a better outlet than my counter cross stitch, which I love to do, which I haven't done since I've been writing because I get more out of the writing. Well, that's great. That's great. Now, in terms of your publishing career, you said you're with Karina. Are you still with Karina? And have you been, you said you mentioned one other publisher. Have you done any self-publishing? So um, Karina Press still has one of my books. They're not, uh, at this point, they are not in encouraging me to write uh, medieval and medieval romance. But um, Dragon, Bra- Dragon Blade Press, which is um, owned by uh, Catherine Levique, who is a very prolific author of that genre, uh, does have a, a, a full press, basically, for um, historical romance. So um, I do write some books with, with her. I have one coming out hopefully this month, uh, which will be my third book with her. And, and that's the, the, the first book of a three-book series. It's a small little plug. Um, but I, I also write on the contemporary side. I write with my critique partners, which we formed our own company. And we only write with each other. We don't take other books. Um, so I, I do write contemporary for Timeless Scribes. And that is my I, I, anything I self-publish. I I put through Timeless Scribes. Mm-hmm. And so what are so you I've writing added with to, Karina now? I've added to Wait. the guard. I've added to the Guardian Switch on my own through indie okay. publishing. Through oh great! So you're doing a little bit of everything. You are truly a hybrid. Yes, I truly am. And what I'm do you do in terms minute. of? Yeah, well, it's great. Mm-hmm. You know, and and. I think we're lucky in the sense because we started writing around the same time that a lot of the rules had fell away, right? It used to be that you yes. can only people would only see your work if you got a New York publishing contract, and so that's not true now. But you know, there's also a lot of challenges as well because it has become a very crowded marketplace. And how do you stand stand out? So that goes to my next question: What do you do in terms of promotion? So um, I think in the past. I would look at what everybody else was doing and feel somewhat anxious because I had to hurry up and catch up and do what they were doing. And then I had this aha moment and said, my books will appeal to a somewhat small audience. The historic romance that I write, the medieval romance, doesn't have a wide audience. So, but those are the books I love to write. So I've decided to con, you know, concentrate on that market. So again, I, I publish through um, Dragon Blade, which is has a, a large readership. I um, I do I do have a um, a PA, a personal assistant, who helps with my marketing, and we uh, we have a, I have a newsletter, and I, um, I you know Facebook. Twitter, Instagram. Um, I have a blog that we that I do, um, and my my goal is to increase my readership. If I can get you to read my book, I can make you a fan, and that's what that's what my goal is right now. So it's finding my fans, it's um, participating with people like you to get my you know to get who I am 
out into the you know into the uh, to the public um and to my my goal has always been to make you my friend because that's what i that's where i want to be i want to be uh, i do better on a personal per, on a one to one basis does that answer your question it does it does answer my question and it sounds like look you've done a lot in in a relatively short period of time 10 years all those books and it sounds like you still have your passion for writing because you often hear, I don't know, in your writing group, people who come in and out of it. You know, they write a couple of books and it's hard and then life gets in the way. But it sounds like you have maintained your passion, which is not easy to do. So I applaud you for that. I think part of it is, be, and I, I think, this is just my, my impression, when you start to get caught up with what everybody else is doing, first of all, I've come to, to realize I can never do everything. There will be no way that I can do everything. I won't have the, the best swag. I may not have the best um, Facebook post. Um, I'll, I'll, never, I'll never be able to do it all. So I, have to, I had to figure out what it is that I, that I was best at and focus on that. And at the moment, the best thing I can do uh, is, is write my stories and 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 just communicate with those who like my stories and hope that that the the word spreads organically. That's great. That's great. Now, talking a little bit about your stories, maybe we can get into the mechanics of your writing. So, sure. Do you write from the first person, the third person? Do you mix it up? That's a really good question. I, uh, it's a kind of a funny answer. I write in the third person. And um, one of the stories that I was writing for my, uh, in my contemporary group, it was one of the first short stories that we were, writ- we were writing. And um, I was behind time. I had, I had to make a certain deadline. And I had like four weeks to finish the story. And I really only had a very brief outline. And what I decided to do was write it in first person. Because then the the introspection and the the thought the thinking the internal thinking came right out on the page, and uh, so that was the only story that I wrote in first person. And then because we were doing an anthology, my writing partner said first person won't work because of the way in which we've written these stories. Can you change it to third person? So I did, but that was my first. That was the only time. I wrote in first person. Otherwise, it's always been third person and usually two points of view, hero and heroine. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, a lot of publishers, they say, like the third person. So, yeah, that's true. That, that's, the, that's the norm, I think. Right. I think you'll find, I have found, that first person is usually in YA, in the young adult stories. Or in Bernadette Walsh's stories. <laughs> oh, okay. I I only write from the first person. I I I tried to write from the third person, and it that was one in my very early days, and it was so stiff, and it it was almost like a contract, and I almost gave up writing. I said, oh, I guess I can't do this. And the way that I was able to find my voice was through the first person, and I like so I've I've kept with the first person person because I think it it helps me kind of get into the character and to get into the character's emotions. But what I do, what I think is really interesting and cool about first person is that 
a lot of time, and sometimes I'll do alternating. So I'll have two main characters. So you'll see it from their point of view. And it's interesting when, um, especially my, my latest women's fiction title, Johnny Be Good, a lot of that story was all, uh, was told from the mother's point of view and the, you know, and the daughters, but again, each section in the first person. And it was interesting that the reader knew things that the, the main character did not. Do you know what I mean? Because they saw yes, the other point of view. So I think that's kind of cool. Some people find it very limiting because, you know, you, when you're writing from the first person, you're writing from, you know, they can only know you what don't they know anybody else. You don't know anybody's intersection. Yeah. I totally get it. Yes. But, I um, but I, I like the first person, but you're right. Some, some publishers don't like it. Although I think that has changed. I think first person has maybe, gotten a little more popular but you're right a lot of the the YA that's it's very in so anyway but uh you have to find your own writing groove and I've I've thought about maybe trying the 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 third person I've tried a couple of stories and I get a few pages and I'm like ah I don't like this and I always go back but uh, I can always try again I guess yeah um so I did so last night I was up until two o'clock in the morning reading a book uh because of course you know just one more page and mm-hmm. um, it's an author who I, I truly um, adore. Her name is Tasha Alexander. She writes um, Regency Mysteries. And her books are first person. Brought up first person made me, oh, my gosh, I just read Tasha's book. And it's a, uh, you, you don't know anybody else's, you know, thoughts. It's all hers, except that in, her, in this one story, which I cannot remember the title because I just kind of flew out of my head, um, her her mother-in-law writes a uh, has a journal so you get the mother-in-law's point of view because you read segments of her journal so i thought that was very clever well actually i did that in my book uh friends forever it's about two college roommates and it really in the opening scene one roommate goes to the other one's funeral they're in their 40s now and mm-hmm. the reason why it's from two different persons is as she's leaving the the girl who died her mother hands um, my character Molly all of her journals and she said I want you to have them I want someone who loved her to read these I don't want that bastard ex-husband to get them and so she starts reading through it and what's really interesting so that's how you get the first person the first person from the, the other woman, side from the other person the person who's dead yeah. and what's really interesting is that she writes a lot about her best friends from college and she finds out some really deep dark secrets that were about her life very, very fundamental secrets about the one. And it, as, she, as she's going through it, obviously her feelings about her once best friend, her roomie change. So that's how, which was, I, I thought was a cool way of doing it. I kind of like that kind of going back to what we talked about before writing from stories, write, writing from letters. I, you know, this was completely a journal and, and that one character was in rehab at one point. So then she had to write like a really formal journal and she's, you know, it, it, it was, it, it was very, it was, it was fun to play with that structure. And that's what I like, even though it's first person, I do try and play with the structure. So now that's maybe great. you could tell us, yeah, no, it was, it was a really fun, it was a great book to write. And actually it was set in New Jersey. It was set in New Jersey. So um, one of the main characters lived in, where did I have, Short Hills. So she's at the, okay. that's not the Short far. Hills Mall. <laughs> uh, but um so I kept a couple of things in there from the local. I have a couple. Of, I have a lot of Long Island friends who married Jersey boys. So a lot. Of, sometimes when I go visit my friends, we, I go to. I used to go to the Jersey Shore a lot with them and all that stuff. So I put. I couldn't have all my books set in Manhattan and Long Island. So 
I went over the river. <laughs> okay. Um, so maybe uh, you could tell us a little bit about the heat level in your books. Oh, okay, heat level. So when I started writing, um, I tried. I tried to write, I would say, uh, a little hot. And I found over time that it was very uncomfortable for me. You know, they say to write what you know, and that's a very, very personal part of me. And um, I just, I just felt uncomfortable. So I've, most of my books are uh, closed door. Mm-hmm. I don't mind the the the, the buildup, but when it when it comes to fulfillment, mm, that's a private thing. Well, you have to find your your comfort level, and right. also where and the I, story is. You know what I mean? Like where you know you might change, you might start writing a story next time where it calls for it. And that's how my books have been. I, I'm kind of like you. I keep a lot of stuff closed door, but then I've had other books where it's been very explicit and really more on my paranormal side because I write paranormal. I'm kind of like dichotomy, right? Of my writing. I write par- paranormal romance. Those tend to be a little hotter. And then I write women's fiction, very serious women's fiction. While there will be sex in there, it's, it's not, you know, it's not a romance, but um so I, but it's, it's, it's not my natural, you know, it's not my go-to when I'm writing um, a sex scene, I have to like gear myself up and I'm like, okay, this is where it has to happen in the story, but it doesn't always flow as, as easily as, as other parts of my story do. No, I, I totally agree. In, in my first, um, in my Druid Night series, the sex is important it, because, because it, it fits the character. And it just seemed that grew organically. But when I started writing other stories, it, it, it wasn't, it felt forced to me. So once it, that took the joy out of it, then it became a chore. Mm-hmm. So I said, no. Nah. Yeah. And it's, if it feels forced writing it, then it'll, it won't ring true. It'll to sound that way. Yeah. Right. And I figured when, when the, when there's a story that needs it, I'll rise to the occasion. No pun intended. oh that's great so look maybe you could tell us about what you have coming up and um and where people can find you online okay so um i have a few things that are coming up Uh, i mentioned that i write for um uh, catherine levick and her dragon uh, dragon blade press um i'm one of the authors in her pirates of britannia and um i have a three book series in that in that series within that series that will uh, start to be released in April and that's actually a a crossover book with uh, the Guardians Witch series so there are characters that kind of cross over there Uh, so that's uh, one thing I have going Um, I also have been um, trying to um, work I've been working on my contemporary stories so we, I just released the last uh, contemporary story, Heart of, the Ma- Heart of the Matter, which is that love letter that I mentioned. Um, and that came out in February. And the, there's, a, there's a book that I have under the bed. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, the history of that book. So my, my brother is an appraiser. It's actually, he retired. He was a financial planner. He's retired. And he became an art appraiser. And we were talking about, uh, he got a letter that he had to appraise. And he sent, it, sent me a, a um, photocopy of it, actually a, 
a scan of it. And I'm reading the, this letter, and I can't remember who it was addressed to, but it said, Dear so-and-so, I agree. Scarlet is a much better name than Daisy. So it was Margaret Mitchell's letter to her editor about her book. And I, I, first of all, I said, how much is it? Because he was appraising it for Sotheby. And he said, sorry, sis, you can't afford it. And I said, <laughs> oh, my God. And I said, so how do you appraise something like that? So we were, we were talking about provenance and et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's not. And I said, too bad you can't time travel. And I went, whoa. So what would happen if you had a appraiser who could time travel? So I came up with this story concept, and uh, it's a story about a, a young woman who's actually a physicist. She's a, this brainchild. She has a photographic memory, and she um, is a physicist and, and follows a molecular scientist and follows along with her, her father's uh, uh her father is also a scientist, but her mother is an art professor. And her mother says, the science part of your brain is great, but you need to balance it out. You need to take some art classes. You need some creativity in your life. And she takes these art classes and falls in love with the, being a curator. So she takes a second degree. She leaves science. She becomes a curator. And she, in, in her travels in this book, she is going to get fired from the museum for um, something that's not her fault. And her art professor is going to call her and tells her, I found this, this, um, this trunk in, in the attic. It's from his wife's family. You know, they've been carrying it around for, for, you know, for decades. And in it, they found math papers. They want to donate it to Princeton because they, they're now living in Princeton. Uh, we want to donate it to Princeton, but it needs to be appraised. You're a scientist and you're an appraiser, you know, you're a curator, you're the perfect person to do this for us. So he brings her the papers and in the bottom of, the pa- of this box, she finds a journal and the journal is a missing Einstein journal. And in the journal, she finds the secret to time travel. Now she's been fired from the, the museum uh, because of a, uh, an appraisal that she gave on a Toulouse-Lautrec um, piece. And the, the, art, the museum director says it's phony. And she said, I'm not so sure. Einstein's theory, she is going to time travel back to 1898 and double check and see if that picture is real. So that is the premise of this story. It's called Einstein's Theorem. And it's a, going to be a series. And the series will go through different types of appraisals. So this one is about a um, a Toulouse-Lautrec piece. The next story is about a Templar sword. I have um, another story about a um, a Buddha. Buddhas were used. Uh, you people would, um, if you were smuggling, you could you could stuff things in the Buddha statue. And so there's a whole bunch of uh, of of um, things that can that you do appraisals for, um, and using my brother as a source, uh, we we started just writing a list of things that could be appraised: music, instruments, furniture. We came with uh, so there's a, a, a just a, a plethora of ideas uh, about 
that I could write about. And in, and the love interest in this first story, um, her fian- her ex fiance actually works for CERN Labs in um, in, in Switzerland. And um, he, he there, there's an accident at CERN Labs and it creates a, a breach in time. And he is charged with preventing time travel. So that was a conflict there. So the two of them are going to team up and create a company that can guarantee provenance on art. That's a kind of a a moderate overview. Well, that sounds great. Sounds like it's going to be a really intriguing story, and you have a couple of stories lined up. So, yeah. so thanks for that's sharing that. That's the one that. that's under the bed. And, and the reason why it's under the bed, it, you know, when I brought it to uh, – actually, it was um, Karina Press asked for something different than a medieval, and a medieval romance. I said, I have this idea. And they said, well, they're looking for mashups. I went, oh, okay. So this is basically a mashup. It, it's a uh, paranormal, time travel. There's all these different elements in this story. And when I brought it to them, they went, this is a great story. I just don't know how to sell it. So that, that will definitely be a, uh, an indie published. Well, that's great. And it's great that you, you can explore indie publishing for things that the publishers, you know, it doesn't fit within their in whatever their bucket of what they're looking for. Right, so I, right. Yeah. It's great to have that freedom. It's great to have that freedom. So listen, we're running a little bit out of time, Ruth, but this has been really great um, chatting with you. And, and I hope uh, if we ever start having conferences again, I can see you at a conference <laughs> and, and meet up in real life. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you go to the Liberty States conference. I went last year. Um, that's in New Jersey. And I don't think right. your chapter is still doing your conference anymore, right? Is that we're we're not doing there? it this year. Uh, they're looking at some alternatives, um, and they're thinking about bringing it back the following year. I think a lot has to do with there's a lot there's a lot of ebb and flow with with members, and I think they're mm-hmm. trying to wait for things to settle down. Right, right. Well, I've always heard actually good things about that conference. It, it never really worked out for me because I think it's usually in October. It's usually yes. back to school time. It's a little crazy for my daughter, but um, but I it is on my list of things to do. So, um, so hopefully I would love to meet up in person since we're so close in the tri-state area. Um, it would be great. And, and that would be great. Had like a, yeah. Yeah. No. And, I, and like I said, I can connect with a lot of you, what you were saying about your writing journey. And that's why I love doing these shows because it, it helps me connect with people. And even if you think on the surface, we have very different writing journeys or we have nothing in common. I will almost always find something in common with one of my guests. So I enjoy these interviews as much as, you know, probably more than the, than the listeners do. But um, well, I, I do. I totally enjoy being able to talk to you. It's not often that I can talk about the, the, in depth about what I do and how I do it. So this was fun. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Now, where can people find you online, Ruth? You can find me at my website, uh, which is uh, ruthacasey.com. You could find me on Facebook, uh, Ruth A. Casey. Uh, you could find me on Twitter could find me on Instagram. So you can you can just find me just about anywhere. Great. All right. Well, again, Ruth, thank you so much for joining today. Just to let people know about my books, um, I am having my novel Cold Spring, which is a women's fiction title. That is free everywhere, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, every, anywhere electronically. And that's the story. It's a family saga about a family in Long Island 
um, and somebody who was, um, as a young child, was involved in a political scandal. So that's one of my favorite books. It hasn't kind of got a little lost in the shuffle, so that's why I'm, I'm making it free. Also, my book, Johnny Be Good, which is my latest women's fiction title, is out and available. And my latest paranormal book, See Me, is only 99 cents. And it actually just finaled in the RWA uh, New England Reader's Choice Awards, and I got third place in that one. So, um, Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I haven't entered a, a writing contest in a while, so it was, it was fun to it was it was fun to get something on that. So um, so please, any any information about my books is available on my website, BernadetteWalsh.com. Also, I have I'm planning quite a few new interviews. Um, I have a little bit more time right now. So and I have about 30 people who want to be interviewed. I've fallen a little bit behind. So I'm hoping to do more of these interviews. And um, so please keep um, up to date with the Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books um, shows. You can find all the information on the shows on the Blog Talk Radio site and also on my website, BernadetteWalsh.com. So thanks again. This is Bernadette Walsh from Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>